We know how fragile and how temporary life is. Our problem is that we're trying to hold on to our little section of space for as long as possible. Ultimately, because we value this life more than we value the next. So when anything compromises the quality of this life, we shut down. We look at death, and we know that everyone in this world has to die one day. It's no surprise. No one's guaranteed any time of life in this, in this day. The death comes for the young and the old alike. We're not surprised that people die. This happens. It's reality. Jesus didn't say, well, since I'm God, I'm going to skip out on that death part because that's just for sinful people. No, he went through it. He went through what we have to go through. He experienced what we had to experience. And not just death, but according to history, the most agonizing and horrific way to die humanly possible that's ever been invented. He did it so that he could be our perfect leader. One we could trust, one that we could look to and hold on to. He knows what we face. He knows how to overcome it. He knows that even in the struggle, even at the point of death, victory can still be ours. Because even though our struggles are weighty, his love for us is weightier. And even though this life is great, what he has prepared for us beyond is far greater. He is the key. And his words to us that if you cling to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will find it are not in vain. Because Jesus knows the plans that he has for us. They are for good and not for disaster. But so often we forget that his plans are not centered on this life. They're surrounded and centered on the kingdom of heaven, the life beyond this life. The plans for good are in the life to come. Jesus has come to us as a shepherd, leading and guiding our lives so that not only can we live this life to the full, no matter what circumstances we face, but that we lead this life only to enter the eternal joy of the Lord in the kingdom of heaven. And Jesus knows the way to an eternal life because he paved the way. And this is what the scripture records as the way Jesus overcame his trials, the tragedies, the struggles that he went through, the picture that he left for us to hold on to as we live this life. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a huge crowd of witnesses to the life of faith, let us strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with the endurance the race of God has set before us. We do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. And here's the key. Because of the joy awaiting him, he endured the cross, disregarding its shame. Because of the joy awaiting him. Now he is seated in the place of honor beside God's throne. Think of all the hostility he endured from sinful people. Then you won't become weary and give up. After all, you have not given your lives and your struggle against sin. How did Jesus cling to his faith? In struggle. In suffering. How did he overcome doubt? In struggle. In suffering. How did he not only endure the sorrow that he went through, but come out victorious on the other side? It's because he focused on the joy that was awaiting him. He didn't focus on his struggles, though he went through them. He didn't focus on this temporary life, even though he lived it. He focused on the joy that was on the other side. Because compared to that joy, compared to the treasure that was about to be given to him in heaven, he, what he went through here on this life didn't even compare. How do we endure? 
when following Jesus goes badly, when struggle comes into our lives, when trials arise, when storms don't seem to blow away? How do we overcome the doubt? How do we endure hardship? How do we avoid sin that makes our lives even harder in order to live the abundant life that Jesus intends for us to live while we're still here? Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says we do this by keeping our eyes on Jesus, the champion who initiates and perfects our faith. This is a moment in my life that will always stick with me. I have the privilege of being the father of four beautiful children. And as the dad, I get the responsibility of teaching my kids how to ride their bike. And so we start about the age of five, taking off the training wheels and, and, and helping them. And I, I remember when I was helping Reese learn to ride his bike, he uh, it was a little rickety. And, uh, and so what I would do is I would get behind him and I would hold his seat and I would tell him, okay, we're going to start going. You start pedaling and I'll hold on to you. And then when I feel like you've got your balance, I'll let go, but I'll run beside you so that in case you fall, I can catch you. And so we would do that. We'd get, you know, maybe like halfway to the next house and he'd fall. And so we'd pick him back up and do it again and again. And I started to notice that whenever he was riding his bike and he would like turn and kind of look off to the side, that's when he would start getting wobbly. That's when he would start losing his balance. And then before long, he would end up on the ground crying. And so uh, I, I had a, an idea in that moment. I'm like, okay, I'm going to change what I'm doing. Reese, instead of coming behind you and holding on to you, I'm going to get in front of you. And I'm going to hold your handlebars so that you can get on the bike. And then we're going to start pedaling. And then I'm going to run backwards in front of you so that you can keep your eyes on me. And so we started doing that, and I was running backwards, and I was checking, and then every time he'd hear a sound from a car, or you would see a dog or something, he'd start to look over, and I'd be like, no, 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 don't look over there, look at me, you're going to fall, look at me, right, I'm running, I'm jogging, I'm like, just look at me, keep pedaling, the faster you pedal, the faster you go, you stay up, but look at me, and so we'd go a little ways, and he'd start to look over, I'm like, ah, ah, no, 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 back over here, look at me, and so we would do this, and before long, instead of getting a house away, we ended up down all the way at the end of the street. And he never crashed because he was keeping his eyes on me, even though I was yelling at him and probably looking like a crazy person to all my neighbors. But it worked. And so after this situation, I started to think, and I felt like the Spirit of God just said, this is how I'm working in your life. As people, you are on the bike. And Jesus, God said, I'm going to go before you, and I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. He's out in front. But our problem is, as we're setting off, pedaling our bike, we start looking off to the side to things that distract us, like temptation and struggle and trial and problems. And the more we take our eyes off Christ, what happens? We get a little rickety, and then we crash. And I can just see God in this passage saying, keep your eyes on Jesus. I can see Jesus just being out there saying, keep pedaling. Don't look over there. Look at me. Keep your eyes on me. You can do it. No, no, no. Don't look over there. Don't look at that failed marriage. Don't look at that abuse that you endured. Don't look at that layoff that you had over there. Keep your eyes on me. Keep focused. Pick yourself back up. You can do it. 
Don't let the fear of the last crash keep you from getting on the bike and pedaling. Just look at me. Stay in my sight. Look at me. Keep going. Keep pedaling. Keep doing it because you're going to make it. You're going to do it. You're not going to crash if you keep your eyes on me. Stay looking at me. Jesus over and over and over is telling us, stay focused on me. Why? Because he knows if you focus on him, you are going to do it. You're going to make it. You're going to overcome. Hallelujah. And we have this hope that if we just follow him and his plan for our lives, if we trust in him, if we follow him even in the storms, even when the end seems certain, there is glory waiting for us on the other side. 2 Corinthians 4.17 says, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long, yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. God's focus isn't in the 70 years. His focus is on the 70 bazillion years and beyond. And we have that hope that not only will he be waiting for us in heaven, but that he is going to go through our struggles with us every step of the way because he is going in front of us and he's never leaving us or forsaking us. Paul says to the church of Rome in Romans 8, 35 to 37, he says, can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or are hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? As the scriptures say, for your sake, we're killed every day. We're being slaughtered like sheep. No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. Hallelujah. It's ours. It's a promise. It's for sure. And there's someone here today, maybe a few of you, who have had your faith rocked because of the storms in your life. You have so much doubt, and you're on the edge of just giving up. I want to encourage you today. Don't lose sight of what's coming, of what's ahead of you. Don't lose sight of the glory. Don't lose sight of the victory. Don't lose sight of the blessing that Jesus is leading you to, even through the storm. See, I can't promise you that everything will always work out in your favor, that your life will always be how you want it, but I can promise you that God will work everything you face out for your good and for your glory. If you trust him and follow him, he will always lead you to victory. And I would say that the only way for many of us that our situations will turn around is if we get back on the bike, start pedaling, keeping your eyes fixed on the one in front of you. Some of you here today need to get on your knees and give God your heart again to reaffirm your faith and your commitment to Jesus. You need to turn from the sinful things that you've let come into your life that have been distracting you and taking your eyes off of Jesus. You need to remove the ability for the enemy to bring destruction and suffering into your family by the things that you've allowed to come into your life. And you need to begin living according to God's will and design for your life keeping your eyes fixed and focused on Jesus. You need to get on your knees daily and spend time with him in prayer and let the Holy Spirit begin this inner healing work in your heart because of all the pain that you've been carrying. You see, the thing about John's imprisonment and the disciples' storm 
is that God allowed both situations to happen. And we know this, which is why it's easy to blame God for our struggles and feel abandoned when we go through trial. But in John's death, we see Jesus mourn. And in the disciples' storm, we see Jesus have love and compassion towards them enough to change his plans and rescue them. Which tells us one thing, that God cares. He cares. He cares about what we go through. He doesn't take pleasure in seeing us in pain, but for whatever reason he has for letting us go through trials, we know he is leading us to something better, and he's doing something in us far greater than what we can imagine. Paul writes to the church of Corinth in 2 Corinthians 12, 7 through 10. He says, even though I've received such wonderful revelations from God, so to keep me from becoming proud, I was given a thorn in my flesh, a messenger from Satan to torment me and keep me from becoming proud. Three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. But each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. That's why I take pleasure in my weakness. And in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, and the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. You see, it doesn't matter what we face as we follow Jesus. Because Jesus never wastes the painful moments in our lives. He works powerfully through our struggles to bring about something good in us. And though you may not see that good today, we have the promise that you will realize it someday. There's an old Babby Mason song that says this, When you can't trace his, trace his hand, you can trust his heart. And I love that. Because there are going to be times where you're not going to see God work in your life. He's going to feel so distant. And you're going to feel that doubt creep in your heart. But in those moments where you cannot trace his hand, you can trust his heart. And we may never know why he allows certain things and temptations in our lives, but we do know this, that it's his grace that gets us through. His grace is all we need to overcome. Because it's through his grace that his power is able to work in our lives. If we trust in him, if we follow him, He'll lead us to something greater than we can imagine. And we know this to be true because of what Jesus said to his disciples in the storm. Matthew 14, 27. He says, don't be afraid. Take courage. For I am here. Don't be afraid. Take courage. For I am here. And that's his word to you today. You who are struggling, you're enduring, you're barely hanging on. Don't be afraid. Take courage. He is here. Let's bow our heads for just a moment as we enter an attitude of prayer, as we close out our time of worship today. In just a moment, we're going to stand. We're going to sing praises of God. If that's you here today and you need a fresh start, you know the Spirit of God is telling you you need to rededicate your life. You need to refocus your life to start trusting and following Jesus again. And when we stand, I'm going to invite you to come down, to leave your seat, to come down to the front, these first row of seats, and turn this first row of seats into an old-fashioned altar where you can just kneel and pray before the Lord. Give your heart to Jesus again. 
cry out to him, share your pain with him because he knows, he understands, he relates, and he's already come through it on the other side. He's able to lead you to victory. In just a moment, when we stand, you respond to what God is doing in your life. Father, I just pray today. Lord, it's inevitable that each and every one of us one day is going to go through a time of trial, a time of suffering. But God, I know the only way to get through it is to focus on Jesus. So for those that are here today, God, that have been struggling, their faith is wavering. They feel disconnected. They feel distant. They feel abandoned. They feel alone. God, I pray that your love would wash over them in this place. You lead them to respond and allow the work of the Holy Spirit to begin in their lives, God. And then you'd speak joy and encouragement over them today. God, let them see your hand be stretched out to them today as you stretched it out to Peter. Let them feel that presence in their lives, God, where deep down in their soul they know that they can take courage because you are here with them. And that's the best place that we can be. Thank you for your grace and thank you for your love. Thank you for sending Jesus to pave the way. We just ask you to do a mighty work in this place. In Jesus' name.